This is an ABC podcast. The rewards I have offered my kids include TV, sugar-filled junk food, mostly juice, and trips to their favourite places. We have used rewards for a couple of things. Rewards, or yeah, you could also call it bribes. The first one was for my son's toilet training. Mom! Every time he went to the toilet, he came to expect little mini Spider-Man toys. And it got very expensive and we ran out of toys. I hope to achieve compliance when leaving the house, good behaviour, early bedtimes and full bellies. But most importantly, I hope to get them to achieve the holy grail of parenting, that my kids would wear knickers and shoes when leaving the house. We tried to stick a chart with our three-year-old. The concept was too hard for her to grasp. It felt cruel not giving her a sticker every evening. And she learnt nothing from the experience. And three weeks later, got a bike. <laughs> Do you have a sticker chart on the wall for your kids' chores? Or the morning routine? You know, where they get a star for putting their shoes on or feeding the cat? Or, if you have teens, are they getting paid for scoring A's? Or getting extra tech time for tidying up? Or doing the dishwasher without being nagged? Let's be honest, how's it working for you? If you've been doing it more than a couple of months, I'm going to take a really wild guess here and say, uh, it's not going great. It might have worked to begin with, but now the wheels are falling off. I'm Maggie Dent, and on this Parental as Anything, why rewards and punishments don't work. And what you can do instead. Rewards seem like they should work, right? We work, we get paid, so a little something for a job done. But according to education and parenting expert Alfie Cohn, rewards don't work well for anyone, especially not for kids. Rewards can work sometimes to get one thing and only one thing ever. Temporary compliance, but with enormous costs. The surprise comes from research showing that rewards are really just like punishments. They're the flip side, not an alternative to them. With a reward, we're saying to kids, do this and you'll get that. Instead of a threat, it's a bribe. Instead of a stick, it's a carrot. Both are ways of doing things to children rather than working with children. So, Alfie, what does the research tell us about the effectiveness of rewards? What the research shows overwhelmingly is that the more you reward people for doing something, the more they tend to lose interest in whatever they had to do to get the reward. So, for example, study after study has shown that parents who reward or praise their children, because praise is just a verbal reward, tend to lead to kids being more selfish, less likely to help or share, because they've learned that the reason to help or share is not to make somebody else feel better. It's so I'll get the recognition or reward. So when there's no longer someone around to give them a patronizing pat on the head, 
they are less likely to do it than they were to begin with. Can you give us some of that research that shows that it demotivates our kids to do the tasks? So, for example, there was a very basic study that used a a drink that's basically like liquid yogurt uh, that most kids think was okay. And some kids were just asked to drink this stuff. Other kids were promised free movie tickets if they drank it. And a third group was praised for drinking it, as in, good girl, I like the way you drink that all up right to the bottom. Now, Skinner, you know, who did his research with lab animals and then wrote his books mostly about people, would predict that the kids who got either the movie tickets or the praise would drink more of this stuff. And that's what happened then. But when the researchers came back about a week later, they found that the kids who were just asked to drink it liked the stuff about as much, a little bit more than before. But the kids who were promised the movie tickets and contrary to hypothesis, the kids who were praised for drinking it no longer wanted to touch this stuff. So the beverage was the same in all three conditions. But as soon as they were controlled with either tangible or symbolic verbal rewards, they lost interest in what they had to do to get the reward. In this case, it was a beverage. Whatever becomes the means to the end of getting a reward is being devalued by the very fact of being rewarded for it. Such an important thing that we know that motivation when it comes from within, which is that intrinsic place, is so much better than the external. And really, motivation has those three Cs, doesn't it? Control or autonomy, some form of competence, and then connection. And I think rewards don't help really any of these. And our kids are way more savvy than I think some parents (laughs) give credit for. But I, I doubt There is a parent listening who hasn't given rewards like lollies or screen time for their kids for good behaviour, get them eat their veggies, clean their teeth. And today it's screen time that's being used as a big reward or a form of punishment. So in your view, do they ever work more than just initially for temporary compliance? Like if I offered $100 to improve your maths grade for a a student in high school? The main thing it would work to do is to teach children that math stinks. Because the kid figures if they have to bribe me to do this, it must be something I wouldn't want to do. That's what I meant a moment ago by talking about devaluing the thing we're rewarding them for. But as I've said, there is no long-term beneficial effect from any kind of reward. When I was writing about this topic some years ago and learning about different styles of motivation and the harm to intrinsic motivation done by any form of of reward, I didn't fully understand something that I came to see later, which is a whole nother layer of problems with using things like positive reinforcement to make kids jump through our hoops. And that is that kids come to experience praise, for example, as conditional acceptance, meaning that they are good people only when they do something in particular that the person with more power demands. So for example, they've learned that to get mommy or daddy's excitement, their acknowledgement, their attention, their approval, they have to, depending on the parents, 
do well in school or do well in athletics or be quiet and well-behaved in front of adults or not show their anger or sadness or be thin or whatever. What kids need from us is not just our love. They need to be loved for who they are, not for what they do. And the flip side to reward is punishment. And I bet there isn't a parent alive who hasn't tried this at some point, even though punishment never actually works in the long run. The punishments or threats I've used on my kids include withdrawing privileges, including TV, juice, failure to attend birthday parties or no stories at bedtime. I told him that if something wasn't done, he wasn't going to be able to go to an event, it was a party, he didn't do the right thing. And so therefore he didn't get to go. I missed out because when you're the parent of a young child, that's also your social outing as well. And I kind of felt in that experience that it had probably cost me or hurt me more than it did him. When you go to the naughty corner, you have to sit still. Deep breath. (gasps) Deep breath out. You have to think about what you've done. When I sit in the naughty corner, I feel sad and alone. My heart starts to break. Did it work? No, it never works. The outcome is usually a screaming match, gritted teeth, a sore throat from screaming at them, and a boring afternoon refusing to go anywhere fun, but instead usually giving in to their demands and watching their favourite TV show while eating some junk food that they found at a party and squirrelled away in the meantime. Okay, so let's turn to punishment a little more specifically, and I'm not talking about physical punishment like smacking. Um, Let's say a child gets frustrated, a younger child, and breaks their brother's Lego. And so the consequences, the parent takes away the child's tablet or iPad for the day. What goes on in the child's mind when we punish them in this way? Well, let's let's start with what never goes on in that child's mind, which is the child thinking, huh, I guess doing something mean is not a good way to be in this world. I'm going to reflect now on my moral development and try to be kinder because I see that it's wrong to hurt people. No punishment, even if we euphemistically call it a consequence, ever helped a child to become more considerate of others or more morally sophisticated or kinder. What punishments do, in fact, is first of all, make the child being punished feel resentful, misunderstood, blamed, perhaps unfairly. It makes them feel that their mom or whoever punished them didn't understand them. So punishments, like rewards, again, mostly serve to rupture the relationship between the parent or teacher and the child. So when kids do stuff that's mean or that hurts somebody else, there's no one-size-fits-all solution to this. But basically, working with kids requires us to figure out the source of the problem. Why did the kid do that to the Legos? Did she do it because she was mad about something else or because she was jealous of the child or because she always gets in a bad mood at this time of day? Or I could go on with 10 other explanations, each of which calls for a different response. The one-size-fits-all seduction 
of punishments and rewards never gets to where the trouble is. They stick to the surface and just look at the behavior. (laughs) Now, let's get really simple down here. If we can't reward and we can't punish, how the heck do we get kids to do what we ask and even follow the house rules? Because to be honest, stuff needs to get done and it can be really hard to get your kids to help. So what are your top tips at that? A lot of times we have to begin by asking, is this a reasonable request? Whom does it benefit? Is it really about the child's safety? Is this rule really that important? Or is it merely for our convenience? So how do I get my kid to clean his room? It's a mess. I'm not going to offer you a new technique for getting the room clean. I'm going to challenge the premise here. This room is the only place on the planet that belongs to this kid. Why in the world must he keep it up to our standards? The problem is with the request. That's why what I'm calling a working with technique requires not only more talent and time and effort and care than bribes and threats, it also takes some courage because we have to be willing to question our request. Okay, I warned you, Alfie's views are quite confronting and some of you might be thinking, okay, that's all great in theory, but how do I get things done around here without rewards? It's time to get really practical and with me is Dr. Helen Street. Helen is a social psychologist and educational consultant. Helen, Alfie was pretty blunt there. Surely it can't be that black and white. Surely rewards can work, even if in just a limited short-term capacity. <laughs> well, we've got to love Alfie, and um, he's he's very on top of the research. And but yes, he is very blunt in what he says. And I guess the harsh reality is that rewards work to get kids to be more compliant in the short term. But if we want to support self determination in young people, then we need to look at trying to support them to be more autonomously motivated to make good decisions for themselves. But um, the thing is, I suppose we have to remember that with any theory, with any ideals, we're trying to translate those into real world settings. And and like you, Maggie, I'm a parent and I'm a parent of three adolescent girls and life is crazy (laughs) and up and down. And And especially when they were younger, sometimes really you just want them to get in the car or sometimes you just want them to eat their dinner and move on or go to bed. And and I think that we have to keep all ideals, we have to sort of apply them as best we can and know that that is good enough. So the thing is to sort of be mindful, not necessarily about trying to be perfect all the time in some idealistic got to support self-determination way, but rather to just be mindful of what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. So if you really, really just want the dishwasher done and loaded and the kitchen clear and they're going to hurry up and do it if you give them all an ice cream afterwards, then sometimes I think that, you know, fair enough, that's life. But don't be fooled into thinking you're motivating them to, to clean the kitchen. You're motivating them to have ice cream. So what should parents do, Helen, instead? Now, can you break it down for a step-by-step? Say, say I've got a five-year-old who won't get dressed uh. and ready for school each morning, no matter what I say or do, please help. If you have your five-year-old and they just won't get dressed and you're thinking, well, I don't want to just bribe them every morning to do this, then I would be thinking about 
how can I encourage them to see that when they get dressed on time, they have a, a, a better outcome from that? Maybe they have time to play before school or with their friends or they just have um, a bit more relaxed time to eat their breakfast, whatever it might be. So I'd be trying to put my effort into helping them to understand what's good about getting dressed quickly. If you're in a situation, and I, I know, you know, especially if you have more than one child and you're trying to juggle everybody's needs and you're thinking, well, it's all very well having a big chat with my five-year-old about how we need to get there so we can play with Jack when I've got, you know, Jenny in the background who's ready and desperate to get to school. I can totally sympathize if at times you need to say you're, you're letting your sister down and that's not okay. I don't think that's a big problem because you're trying to help your little person understand that we have to comply with the rules of the family at times because we're, we're working together with multiple people and multiple people's needs. So it's about trying to find that balance. Yeah. And what they're wanting is that connection, that deep, safe connection, even when I muck up and even when I do wonderful yeah. things. Do you, can you love me equally the same on either situation? Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I've, I, have, I spoke to a family a while back who um, used a sticker chart and the father was very determined to have this sticker chart. And the son, who was about eight or nine at the time, was constantly upset with his dad and not doing any of the things that they wanted him to do. And so they just kept adding more and more sort of consequences, um, punishments, rewards onto the plan to try and get him to comply. And it was getting worse and worse. And I suggested that why doesn't the son give the dad a sticker chart just for one day? We'll see how that goes. And after after a half a day of them trying it the other way around, they realised how it feels to be controlled and they let the whole thing go and everything improve. Ah, oh, excellent. Imagine that. <laughs> a parent sticker chart. I know. Woohoo! <laughs> Love it. To change children's behaviours, it works best to connect before you direct as warmly as possible. Really, it really does. And if you can keep the connection strong, kids are more likely to help out willingly. So you might go, hi, my precious child. And I'll kneel close to them and say, I really need you to take those plates back up to the sink because you've finished with them. Another tip is to include kids in the problem-solving process and they'll be even more invested in the outcome, as no one likes feeling manipulated. If we have got a child who is really, really struggling to remember where the shoes are in the morning, we might make it easier for them by saying, where could we put the shoes the night before so you can find them? Where do you think is a good place? And then we allow them to think about solving that problem. Words of acknowledgement and encouragement can actually work a treat without being a treat. So what that means is I noticed how patient you were with your little brother yesterday. And I know it's hard, but it's great. And then, seriously relax, parents. Rewards used unexpectedly, sporadically and sparingly will not ruin your child. No, they won't. And then lastly... Focus on the true meaning of discipline around children's behaviour. That is, the teaching and guiding of our kids. 
so that they can learn to make sound decisions by themselves, which is the art of self-determination. That is the real goal. Next time, a call for help from a desperate mum on our special episode, Help Me Maggie. Oh my God, my house. There's so much bickering. How do I control the chaos? <laughs> oh, I remember those days really well. And I have a few insights and ideas up my sleeve for that one. This is Parental As Anything. I'm Maggie Dent. I'm Molly. And I'm Carl. And we're the hosts of the kids' podcast, Short and Curly. Each of our episodes tackles a curly question about the world. Like, should we try and bring back extinct animals? Is it your fault if your room is messy? And is it ever okay to lie? Plus, we have a lot of fun along the way. Well, we make a lot of fun of you, Carl. Oh. It's a podcast to get the whole family thinking and talking. Short and curly. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.